Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's, That's right. right. That's right. That's Happy right. October. Yeah. Wow. It's uh, October has arrived. I started doing uh, Drawalween, where I draw a picture every day. It, they're not any good. They've never been any good. No, we, we are not an artsy family. No. We're a fartsy family. That's true. That's true. So, yeah, the, that's welcome to October. We're almost there to the end of the year, and then we will be closing out year three, three? two. We started 2019. Yeah, so then 2020 is one, 2021 is two. Oh, yeah, so we'll be year three. Three years of classic gaming, brothers. Whew. All right. Oof. Anyway, we're not going to think about that. Zach, what have you been recently playing? Seth, recently I've been playing Zombies Ate My Neighbors, which was originally released back in 1993 by LucasArts for the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. But I've been playing the recent Switch port, which came out, uh, I think the actual release of the game was sometime this year uh, or sometime last year. But um, I've been playing a release that was provided by Limited Run Games. Which, as a fun fact, Seth got me on August 31st of 2021, and it arrived on August 31st, 2022. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So uh, that's a heads up for anyone ordering limited run products. Sometimes they take a full year to that's arrive. That's true. That's true. You'll get them eventually. Now, this port for the Switch was developed by .emu. And uh, it also comes with a sequel called Ghoul Patrol, which I had never played, but was actually, that was also on the Super Nintendo. Zombies Ate My Neighbors is a fun game. It's stylized as a run and gun where you have to save your neighbors from zombies. And in the game, you play as either a guy named Zeke or a girl named Julie. Zeke wears 3D glasses and Julie has a baseball cap. Uh, that's just the best way to define them. Zeke also has like Bart Simpson hair. He has like very yeah. spiky blonde hair. It would be a really good Saturday morning cartoon. Mm, it would have been, but it wasn't. You do kill zombies, though, using a squirt gun, uh, but there are also a wide variety of other weapons like weed whackers, soda cans, fire extinguishers, and bazookas. And uh, yeah, it's a fun game. It's It can be a pretty difficult game at times. Basically, you have to save all of the neighbors in, in the given area before they all get killed by zombies. And the zombies are always constantly spawning, and sometimes you don't necessarily find health very easily, and sometimes the enemies are kind of annoying. There's one particular level where the only enemies are like... Like Jason Voorhees type guys with chainsaws who chase you and they're obnoxious. They're very hard to kill. It's it's a very, very nostalgic game for me, but it's been fun playing it on the Switch. And I'm also happy to have it as the limited run game. The, the limited run product itself comes with a pair of 3D glasses, of course, a copy of the game, uh, a steelbook case that you can put the game into. And the steelbook itself is 3D. So if you put on the 3D glasses, it appears in 3D. And then it also comes with two posters, a small deck of like cards, a copy of the soundtrack, a retro style box, and the squirt gun, which is fun. And uh, yeah, it's a very nice little put together package, and uh, I'm happy to have it. Recently, I've been playing Mass Effect. Two, which is the sequel to Mass Effect 1, which I recently beat. It was uh, developed by Bioware, which we talked about a while ago and was released back in 2010. I've been playing the Legendary Edition, which was released uh, like a year or two ago. I want to say like last year, where they remastered Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. There wasn't, I don't feel like a lot of remastering for 2 and 3, but uh, 1 was really overdone, redone well, and uh, uh, it was fun. While playing Mass Effect 1, I did... Remember how much I hated the Mako. Uh, I was ready to like shoot somebody after exploring one more planet. The 
Mako is an annoying part of, the, of Mass Effect 1. I hate the Mako. And I was 100%ing, so I was doing all the assignments and finding all the minerals. It was, uh, it was tough. Uh, I ended the game at level 55, because I think you have to get New Game Plus to get to level 60. But anyway, I'm doing a Paragon run, and the character's name is Matthias Shepard. Uh, he's fun, because he was designed along with the input of my wife. Uh, so he has a Franz Joseph mustache, which is where the sideburns connect into the mustache and there's no beard covering the chin yeah our father had that mustache at one point in his life yes yes however matthias also is bald except for a mohawk that is very short and then he has like silver eyes or something like that um he kind of looks a little silly but he's very serious when he talks to people because he's Shepard. And uh, he is the infiltrator class and uses a sniper rifle, which is fun because I've also been playing the game on the Steam Deck a lot. Uh, the Steam Deck has been really great for this game because Mass Effect games require a lot of hours to get anywhere. And the Steam Deck gives me the flexibility to play the game uh, everywhere in my house that's not on my computer because that's what you need to do when you're playing a Mass Effect game. So I'll play it a little bit before I go to bed, play it on the couch. My wife is reading and i will play it on my computer and i'm I'm making good good progress and i'm happy um you do uh so if you do get it for the steam deck if you end up wanting to play mass effect legendary on the steam deck i do have to tell you that you do have to go in and enable cloud saves in origin because cloud saves are off by default which is fun so you'll install it and then you'll be like where's my save game and then you'll be wicked sad just go into your origin on your computer and turn on cloud saves and then i think it auto syncs but you may have to go in and just like go into your pc game and then like quit um to like upload your saves to the cloud but then once that's situated uh you could just load your game i only had a little i had one issue where one one way it didn't load completely but uh oh it didn't load onto my pc after playing on my steam deck for a while and all i had to do was go back into my steam deck and like save off again and that worked but apart from that it's been great mass effect 2 in my opinion is probably the best game out of the trilogy way better than andromeda but um i think out of the three mass effect games i think two is arguably the best it refines one and introduces a pile of new companions, which is honestly the best part of Mass Effect, and doesn't have a controversial end. It actually, in fact, has a, a really it has a really good ending. Um, and the suicide mission, which is at the end of the game, is one of the missions that people still talk about being really cool and just really um like it's just a really cool game mission since you have to uh, build out your squad correctly. I mean, you can always like cheat and just figure out like where you need to have where you need to put people but you can get through the suicide mission and lose people and those people are gone in mass effect 3 forever so you can beat mass effect 2 and have people die along the way um you can also make it so that nobody dies and one last thing before we leave my recently played is that um drew Carperson is the writer for it, who also wrote KOTOR, which we talked about. He, he is the K in the HK-47, um, and it was directed by Casey Hudson, and I love everything that Casey does. Oh, there's a lot of Bioware insider jokes within Mass Effect 2 that weren't in Mass Effect 1. For example, you can buy the novelizations of the Mass Effect stories in the game. 
you oh, can buy fun. the you can buy the novelizations. You can also get a miniature giant space hamster like that Mince carries around named Boo. You can get one of the uh, a space hamster and it makes the squeaking noise. I probably pulled directly from Baldur's Gate. <laughs> so yeah, it's a great game. I recommend everyone to play it. Anyway, for today's episode, Seth, I'm going to ask you a question and then we'll get into our memories. But that question is, what do Sega, McDonald's, and the King of Pop have in common? They all entertain little children. (laughs) Wow. Close. (laughs) They all are responsible for today's episode, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, uh, and also Sonic and Knuckles, which we'll be touching upon today. So that's right. Today's episode, we are talking about Sonic 3 and Knuckles, the classic double feature video game. For for our memories, uh, for my memories at least, I remembered that for a long time we had a copy of Sonic and Knuckles, but we didn't have a copy of Sonic 3. But we did have a copy. we, We just had a copy of Sonic and Knuckles. Yeah, but you can play Sonic 2 with it. Right, but I remember one day we rented Sonic 3, and I put Sonic 3 on Sonic and & Knuckles, and I was like, wow, this game is much longer than, <laughs> than, oh, yeah. than it yeah, seemed. Oh, yeah, 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 because you can play Sonic & Knuckles by itself. Yeah, it's very short. It's like six levels. Yeah. And you can play yeah. Sonic 3 by itself. It's very short. It's like six levels, but we play them all together. It's pretty long. It's like 12 levels. <laughs> Yes, in fact, it's both the the levels from both of them combined. Right. And I, of course, remember that Sonic and Knuckles, it came in kind of a weird cartridge. It had a little hinge on it. Uh, and if you opened the hinge, there was a, a cartridge slot where you could lock on cartridges. You can put in Sonic 2, you can put in Sonic 3. If you put in Sonic 1, it did not work the way right. Sonic 2 and Sonic 3 worked, but you got to play special stages, which was fun. In fact, if you put in any game that wasn't Sonic 3 or Sonic 2, it wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, but you can play special stages with any game uh you do the blue sphere mode where you get to play the sonic and knuckles special stage i don't think i knew that we could do that as a kid though i think i learned that later in life wasn't it there's an error yeah there's an error when you when you boot up right but on that error if you do a button combo you can play a special stage and it's a randomly generated special stage based on the rom header of the game that you have inserted Oh, that's fun. Yeah. There's like something like a bajillion or it's like a billion different combinations of special stages that you can run. That's fun. Well, just I just had a thought. It's not related to my memories, but I think it's something that we should say. Sonic and Knuckles is a key part to making the Tower of Power. Which, uh, for those of you who have not listened to us refer to the Tower of Power before, is the combination of the Sega CD, the Sega Genesis, the 32X, any Game Shark accessory, Sonic and Knuckles, and anything else that you want to add on. But uh, it just keeps adding exponentially to uh, make the system taller and taller and taller. I thought the uh, Game Shark accessory goes on top of the Sonic and Knuckles. Are you well? You could put it below Sonic and Knuckles, so you can put it below Sonic and Knuckles. You can put then... it below and above to be fair you can stack like four copies of sonic and knuckles on top of each other too if you really wanted to yes i've seen people do that that's not a true if you do if you don't if you duplicate anything it's not a true tower of power it has to also be able to boot now uh getting into today's episode in the history of today's episode we've talked about sonic games before we talked about sonic 1 and we talked a bit about sonic 2 sonic 2 was obviously a massive success and it helped put the sega genesis slash the mega drive on the map for a lot of people Uh, people bought the sega genesis just to play sonic the hedgehog and sonic 2 arguably improved the sonic gameplay like tenfold 
world. It took everything that was good about Sonic 1 and it made it exponentially better. So Sega was going to make a sequel. There wasn't a question about that. And we talked a bit about their attempts to work on sequels. So Sonic CD obviously came out around the time that Sonic 2 was in development. Sega obviously knew that they had something good going on here. Now, after Sonic 2 was finished, the Sega Technical Institute in California split into two groups. One group was composed of Japanese developers, and the other was composed of American developers. The Japanese developers were headed by Yuji Naka and Hirokazu Yasahara, who were tasked with working on Sonic 3. The American developers went on to work on Sonic Spinball. Which is also a great game. It is also a great game, though to to be fair, if I if I wanted a Sonic game to be on my resume, I would much prefer Sonic 3 to be on my resume. I Sonic Spinball does have that earworm in the beginning, though. Where oh, yes. Of the first stage. Like, just the music of the first stage, you just can't get out of your head. Sonic 3 itself started production in January of 1993, and they set a hard deadline for February of 1994. This deadline was due to a promotional campaign with McDonald's, who were planning a line of toys and games for their Happy Meals. Which is big stuff, right? McDonald's. Oh, yeah is a, a very large restaurant chain and if they support your product with a I will restaurant chain I'm gonna put that in quotes um, <laughs> but if they're gonna support your product with uh, toys for their popular happy meals then yeah you better uh, try to get it out in time now the team originally started working on the idea of using the Sega virtual processor chip which they previously used for 3d graphics on other projects like virtual fighter and virtual cop reportedly an early pro prototype was developed for an isometric style game, but this was scrapped and eventually would go to be reused for Sonic 3D Blast, which I've realized that critics really don't like, but we liked it because it was one of our Sonic games. Yeah, so, I love Sonic 3D Blast. There, A lot of critics hate it, but well, anyway, they're wrong. yeah, Sonic 3D Blast is a gem. It may be a little dirty, but it's fine. Not as dirty of a gem as uh, Sonic Spinball. But anyway, one idea that they did want to really work on was making the game big. Yujinaka had envisioned that the game would be much larger than Sonic 2 in terms of level sizes and overall game. During this time, the production on the game was underway, and some of the early level designs had begun development and naming. This included level names like Angel Island, Hydro City, Carnival Night, Flying Battery, and Mushroom Valley. If Flying Battery and Mushroom Valley sound familiar, it's because Flying Battery and Mushroom Hill would not appear in Sonic 3, they would appear in Sonic and Knuckles. Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles famously were going to be one game, and likely one of the largest games that Sega would have developed at the time. It was estimated the cartridges would have been 34 megabits, and would have been incredibly cost prohibitive. So Sega was like, all right, we got the numbers. This is going to cost a lot of money and it's going to be very, it's going to be our biggest thing, our biggest cartridge yet. Then they looked at their budget and then they looked at their commitment to McDonald's and then they said, actually, let's split this game. And so Sonic the Hedgehog 3 continued to go forth with half of it cut out 
to be put into Sonic and Knuckles. And to preserve their original intentions, they came up with the great idea for lock-on technology which would allow the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge to be piggybacked by the Sonic 3 cartridge and combine the two games into one massive game, which if they really just had the budget to do so, they could have just released. But they decided to split it and make it so that you had to stick them together and buy, essentially buy half of a game. Yeah. The lock-on technology was fairly innovative and in many ways worked the same as patching a game today. Essentially, the Sonic & Knuckles cartridge would detect that Sonic the Sonic 3 cartridge by looking for the serial number in the ROM's header. From here, it would essentially create a single game ROM that contained the entire Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which is really cool. Essentially, it would say like, oh, this is Sonic 3. Let's make it a, a different game, really. Yeah. Let's make an entirely different game. And you you kind of get locked out of the Sonic, the original two cartridges. You can't play those games when you have them con- together. You have to play them right. uh, united. Like, and there, there's like slight differences. Like Sonic 3 has some different music when combined with Sonic and Knuckles uh, and vice versa. So like you essentially can't play if, when the, those cartridges are combined. You can't play original Sonic 3 or original Sonic and Knuckles. You can only play Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Yeah. Uh, another nifty feature of this uh, cartridge, the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge, is that it also contained a very small patch file for Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and all that would do is just tell the game to add Knuckles into Sonic 2 which is also a pretty neat feature they were apparently looking to do this for Sonic 1 but realized that Knuckles's color palette was messing up Sonic 1 so they would have had to have adjusted Knuckles's color palette and they were like no we're not doing that so they just uh they just scrapped that now some of those earlier stages that we mentioned uh, Flying Battery and Mushroom Valley and stuff they would actually go on to be used in Sonic and Knuckles but they remained in promotional material for mcdonald's so happy meal bags when you used to get a happy meal from mcdonald's it either came in the box or it came in a bag and the bags would often have uh something themed on whatever product they were schlepping so in this case it was sonic 3 so it had like a maze that you can complete where sonic had to get to eggman one thing it had was writing down your best times in the various stages and some of the stages listed were like Flying Battery and Mushroom Valley for Sonic 3, which are not in Sonic 3. Right. Now, this must have confused children, I can only imagine, because Sonic 3 was released in February of 1994. Sonic and Knuckles was not released until October of 1994. And I assume at this point, McDonald's was no longer giving out Sonic 3 Happy Meal toys. (laughs) Like, it's usually a pretty short time span, I feel. It's usually only a couple of months. And I feel like at least by October, they probably have shifted into something related maybe to Halloween or getting into the Christmas stuff, uh, like the holiday stuff. So there would have been eight months where children would not know what these zones were listed on their Happy Meal. And I can only imagine the speculation of like lost levels and like hidden zones and stuff like that. It must have very much confused children at the time. I was one years old when this happened, so I I can't speak for experience. And I don't know how much McDonald's Seth was getting. Only on Thursday. And I was always like more of a Taco Bell kid anyway. Yeah, we also didn't have a copy of Sonic 3. 
<laughs> so this wouldn't have been a... Now, uh, one of the earliest prototypes of Sonic 3 is dated actually back to November of 1993. And it's a really an interesting piece of history for a few reasons, because it helps us understand the game's construction. While a lot of the levels appear to be intact, accessing the level select will reveal the names of the older levels that were eventually reused in Sonic and Knuckles. Uh, these can actually be found in the final version of the game, but you can access some of these cut levels using something like a Game Genie. And while large amounts of information are missing, they're still able to be accessed, where in the final game, they are, they are completely cut out. They just exist as like text. Uh, the prototype also features some other oddities. Uh, for one, the sprites of Sonic are ripped directly from Sonic 2. Another oddity is that Sonic has a new move, where he is able to do a quick spin dash after dropping from a jump. This move would officially debut in Sonic Mania as the Drop Dash, and reportedly Sonic Mania devs had no idea that this was originally featured in Sonic 3 and cut from the game, uh, where one of the guys working on Sonic Mania says it was a complete coincidence. He was just like, yeah, no, that was 100% a co coincidence that that ended up in our game and was originally a plan back in the 1990s. I mean, arguably, there's only so many moves that Sonic can do. That's true. One really notable difference is that the music for Knuckles... Ice Cap Zone, Carnival Night Zone, and Launch Base Zone are different from the final version. Why was it changed? Well, because Michael Jackson, the King of Pop, was got involved. Uh, at some point in development, and after this prototype from 1993 was finished, Sega had reached out to Michael Jackson to help work on the music. Jackson was a big Sonic fan, and Sega had previously worked with him on the game Moonwalker for the Sega Genesis and the arcade, which I believe is an okay game. It's not bad. It's a little weird. Anyway, Jackson's tour director, Brad Buxer, put together a group to work on the project, and they developed music in about four or so weeks. Jackson would, according to Brad, only directly worked on one of the tracks that they had to do, and would also provide some samples such as beatboxing and his trademark yells, which were probably also pre-recorded. Unfortunately, the 1990s were not the best times to be associated with Michael Jackson, as the infamous child sexual assault abuse allegations came to light during this time. Brad reports, however, that Sega didn't seem concerned and never told them to stop development. Uh, this is where the story gets a bit confusing. You see, Sega, for many years until recently, denied that Jackson had worked on the game. Like, for many, many years. Up until, like, a few years ago, right? Yeah, no, they outright denied it. Yeah, they said, no, no. At some point in time, Sega acknowledged it. But then they said uh, they never did use the music due to allegations. However, this doesn't seem to be the case. And according to some of Jackson's team members, his name was removed from the credits due to him being unhappy with the quality of the Genesis's sound chip. From what many fans have pieced together, it seems that the levels that Jackson team had the most influence on were the stages Carnival Night Zone, Ice Cap Zone, and launch base zone. They also had influence on other songs throughout the game, like Knuckles' theme and closing credits. The influences, once you hear them, are pretty obvious. So for some of the examples of how this music sounds so similar, Carnival Night has a sample that is nearly identical to the 1991 song Jam by Jackson. closing song for Sonic 3 sounds incredibly similar to a sped up version of what would become the 1996 single Stranger in Moscow. 
Though, the most damning of all of these is an unreleased song by Brad Buxer's band, The Jetsons. This was discovered in 2013, and it's a song called Hard Times, which sounds 100% like Ice Cap Zone. His song is just Ice Cap Zone with the lyrics. <laughs> That's what it is. Despite all this obvious evidence, Sega pretty much still refused to acknowledge that Jackson was at all involved. However, in 2022, Yuji Naka, who was the head of Sonic 3's development, confirmed that Jackson was not only involved, but the development team went to Neverland Ranch. Yuji Naka is no longer with Sega, but he, you know, doesn't have any reason to, I think, hide that fact. It's not like he has a grudge with Sega. So that's a, that's a little bit of background on the Sonic 3 music and some of the little controversy regarding the music, if you could say. Uh, or the conspiracy, you could say. I always think that there's a... Neverland, Neverland Ranch is very different than Skywalker Ranch. <laughs> Neverland Ranch is very different. Now... How does Sonic 3 play? Well, it plays a lot like other Sonic games, especially early Sonic games. You can play as either Sonic, Tails, or when you add Sonic and Knuckles, Knuckles. Sonic or Sonic and Tails. Yes, but only in Sonic 3 and Knuckles. You can't play as Tails in Sonic and Knuckles. Correct. In, in Sonic and Knuckles, you can only play as Sonic and Knuckles. But you can't play as Sonic and Knuckles. No. Well, you can. It's. I think you can now. In, in Sonic in, Mania, or what about Knuckles and Tails? Knuckles and Tails is in Sonic Origins, and in Sonic Mania, you can play as Knuckles and Knuckles. <laughs> That's the best. Now, in in Sonic Three, Sonic does not have his drop dash move that was in the prototype, but he does have this new thing called the Insta Shield. Basically, if you double tap while you're jumping, he'll do kind of like a slash, and that actually helps you avoid some damage, uh, and will also slightly extend your attack range by. Like a frame, which can be useful. Uh, Tails is able to fly. Uh, it's the first time in the games where you're actually able to control the flying. In Sonic mm -hmm. 2, you couldn't control it. And Knuckles is able to do a glide, and he can climb some walls. Tails can also carry Sonic. Tails can also carry Sonic, which is useful if you need to get to high places. And you're lazy. And you're lazy. Along with the standard flair of Sonic levels that you'd expect to see, there are also special stages. In the non-lockdown version of the game, you can collect the seven Chaos Emeralds, and turn into Super Sonic. However, when you lock on the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge, you can collect not only seven Chaos Emeralds, but also seven Super Emeralds that will upgrade your Chaos Emeralds. So then you could become Hypersonic, who moves a little faster than Supersonic, has this cool color effect to him, and can perform a screen-clearing double jump move uh, that will flash the screen and kill everything on the screen. <laughs> Supersonic's yellow and is hypersonic black? No, it's hypersonic sparkly? is hypersonic is like rainbow color, but he has massive rainbow. sparklies too. Yeah, a lot of sparkles. Yeah. I and he feel like we has an could, after image. But then and then you could be supersonic up until then, right? You could be supersonic up until you get to the Sonic and Knuckles portion of the game, and then you have to unlock hypersonic. Oh, but they take it supersonic away until you get Yeah. Oops. I don't know if there's a reason besides the fact that you like deposit the cast emeralds in the hidden palace 
Oh, yeah, that's probably the reason, right? Yeah. The Supersonic's kind of busted. Yeah, Supersonic is kind of busted. Hypersonic is even more busted. <laughs> now, the story takes place after Sonic 2. Dr. Robotnik has been defeated, the Death Egg has been destroyed, but it doesn't get fully destroyed and instead crashes into the floating island. Uh, Robotnik survives and meets Knuckles and convinces him that Sonic is coming to steal the Master Emerald, which is this massive emerald that has kept the floating island floating. Now, Sonic and Tails arrive and get ambushed by Knuckles and shenanigans commence. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much the game. You play through 12 levels, uh, six from Sonic 3, and then six from Sonic and Knuckles. At the end, uh, you restore the master emerald yep and the island takes off and you fly away that's right and knuckles is happy and there's also a moment where you get punched in the face with by knuckles knuckles is so strong that sonic starts off as supersonic and knuckles punches the emeralds out of his <laughs> out of him mm -hmm. he literally is flying in as supersonic and knuckles just like bops him and every emerald gets thrown to the ground <laughs> And then you meet him later, and he punches you again, and then you knock him out, and that restores his consciousness so that he can be friendly. And then he punches a wall for you, and then you teleport together, but then he's wicked tired. He just gets so sleepy, you. and he takes a nap. <laughs> yeah, he gets <laughs> wicked tired and doesn't want to continue fighting. Punching one wall tires him out. So uh, we can do the numbers now. Sonic 3 was released in February of 1994 and quickly became one of the best-selling Sega Genesis Mega Drive games of all time. Sonic 3 alone sold 1.02 million copies in the US. Both Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles sold a combined total of 4 million cartridges worldwide. I wonder if the math is there if every person... There's gotta be people who only own Sonic 3 and people who only own <laughs> Sonic & Knuckles. For a while it was us. That's <laughs> very true. Uh, the game also scored incredibly well, earning an A-plus from Entertainment Weekly, a 19 out of 20 from GamePro, and a 38 out of 4 from EGM. Uh, more contemporary reviews have also, also been favorable, with IGN uh, at one point calling it the best of them all in terms of the trilogy of the original games. I'm assuming that's IGN talking about Sonic and Knuckles and Sonic 3 together. Yes, yeah. And not just the six the six no 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 levels from Sonic just no. Sonic three. I mean Sonic three alone is still pretty good, but Sonic three and Knuckles is, is the is. like is the actual game currently also holds at eighty nine percent on game rankings, which you know is pretty good. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog three and Sonic and Knuckles did well, as evident by the numbers, and their legacy lives on. The game was included in the nineteen ninety seven compilation of Sonic Jam and was ported to the PC the same year for the Sonic and Knuckles collection. Interestingly enough, this PC version uses the cut prototype music from before Jackson's involvement. Yeah. He thinks that Sega was like, maybe we should not have Michael Jackson music in our game anymore. <laughs> and that was in the 90s. The game was also included in the Sonic Mega Collection compilation for the GameCube and the Sonic Mega Collection Plus for the PlayStation 2, Xbox, and Windows. It was also included on other collections, such as the Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection for the Xbox 360 and the PS3, and Sonic Classics Collection for the Nintendo DS. Sonic the Hedgehog Hedgehog 3 alone was released on the Wii Virtual Console and the Xbox Live Arcade in 2007 and 2009, respectively. A PC version, which is really just an emulated ROM, was also released in 2011 on Steam as Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Which, I mean, I guess it comes to the time, I just think it's it's funny when they're still releasing, 2011 was like 10 years ago, and they're releasing the emulated ROM on Steam. And I feel like anyone who would buy it would already know how to play it. <laughs> um, but, but anyway it's there if you want it 
<laughs> They'll take your money. From 2011 to today, there was a bit of a drought of Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles releases. There were references to Sonic 3 & Knuckles over time, with the 2011 Sonic Generations having a remade version of Sky Sanctuary Zone in the console version, and a remake of Mushroom Hill in the 3DS version. Reworked versions of Angel Island and Hydro City Zone were also included in Sonic Mania in 2017, and Sonic Mania is a very, very good Sonic game. But it wasn't until 2022 where the game finally saw a re-release and remaster with Sonic Origins. This version was recreated in the Retro Engine, the same engine being used for Sonic Mania. However, this version doesn't use the original soundtrack. And this is likely less to do with Jackson overall and his issues back in the 90s, uh, but more likely has to do with rights issues from the Jackson estate. I don't think Sega has outwardly said so, but my theory is that Sega doesn't want to pay for potential licensing of the, the music because maybe the contract might be a little too hard to negotiate a good deal for Sega. Instead, they decided to use reworked arrangements of the prototype music to okay effect. I think I talked about this when I mentioned I was playing Sonic Origins a few episodes back. It's okay. The music that they used is the prototype music, which sounds fine in the prototype, but they reworked it in a way that just doesn't sound quite right right. And I don't know, it was done by Jun Sinyu, who's, you know, a great composer. I think he might have just been having a bad day, because that's what it sounds like to me. In any case, uh, separate from Sonic Origins, there was also a fan remaster that was developed called Sonic 3 Angel Island Revisited, or Sonic 3 Air. This remaster features widescreen and also includes various updates and tweaks, such as rearranging the level order to match the or order originally intended for the complete release. So for example, Flying Battery Zone, which showed up in Sonic & Knuckles, was supposed to show up in Sonic 3. It puts it back in the place it was supposed to show up in Sonic 3. So um, it, it takes it out of Sonic & Knuckles and puts it in the place it's supposed to go. I think it's actually pretty cool. Um, Sonic 3 Air actually does require you to have the copy on Steam, which was delisted. So they do have instructions on how to kind of work around that if you haven't purchased the copy from Steam. I have a copy on Steam. I don't remember where I got it, but I do have a copy on Steam. So I've been able to play Sonic 3 Air. There was also a ROM hack that is floating around out there called Sonic 3 Complete, which, as the name implies, looks to combine Sonic 3 and Knuckles as one ROM, though different than actually putting the two cartridges together. So what this does is offers customization and various tweaks to quirks that were found in the original game. Uh, for example, Hypersonic had missing animation. They fixed it. They added in the missing frames. So in Knuckles' story, line when you're playing through Knuckles' storyline. Uh, one edit they made was in the original game, you're supposed to fight Robo Robotnik who is a robotic version of Dr. Robotnik. In one level, you fight normal Robotnik, and it's because it uses a different sprite. So Sega was too lazy to redraw the sprite for Robo Robotnik. So this fixes that, and it puts in Robo Robotnik in that fight. Tiny detail like that. This is what this, this does. It also has the option to customize the ROM itself. So they have a tool on their website you can use to build your own ROM using things like the Sonic 1 sprite design or the Sonic 2 sprite design design. Or if you want to be really intense, you can have Sonic 1 gameplay where Sonic had a speed cap or like took damage when he was injured. So he had the quote unquote spike bug. So if you want to play essentially hard mode where you can't spin dash, that's an option. There's all these different options you could use 
for Sonic 3 Complete. It's a really impressive ROM hack, and it fits on a cartridge, so you can play it on real hardware, which I have done. It's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty fun time. But yeah, that is Sonic 3 and Knuckles. We are now going to get into our Retro Rewind segment. Um, So Seth, do you want to go first? Sure, I can go first. So Zach gave me Master Chu and the Drunken Who. Uh, it's a side-scrolling NES game where you play as a dude that has a fan that can deflect shots at you and can shoot weird bubbles at enemies. The first map, you have to find eight hidden yin-yang symbols to unlock the passageway and then there's a boss that just spews a line of like bubble things at you i actually didn't realize that you could just stand above the boss and i lost a lot of lives to that boss a fun fact about master chu and the drunken hue was it was on an early avgn episode angry video game nerd and was the episode where the avgn introduced the ship pickle who would go on to be a reoccurring character on AVGN. So if you ever wonder why they reference the Ship Pickle, it's because of Master Chu and the Drunken Who. And the reason why the Ship Pickle was created was because every level is pretty much the same in Drunken Who, uh, Master Chu and the Drunken Who. And the boss levels are also the same, where you just have to stand above them and wait for them to turn. Not a great game. I would say the only reason you would play it or own it is to say that you have Master Chu the drunken who zachary has <laughs> he's holding a copy of it would you agree that it's also not that great oh it's a terrible game so i would say if you enjoy repetitive side-scrolling gameplay then sure you can probably uh you could probably play it though you could probably live your life without playing it and just skip it i i do have to say that uh the story is pretty interesting since you play as master chu who's like gotta pick up the pieces from drunkard who it's an interesting game zach yes for next week you can play SimCity 2000 specifically for the sega saturn nice fun fact about master chu and the drunkard who before i move on to my retro rewind uh i don't know if you noticed or did much research into it but master chu the drunkard who was developed by a company called Joyvan. Joyvan is another name for Tinchen Enterprises, which is another name for Sachin. Oh, we'll talk about Sachin eventually. When did it come out? 1989 originally. Originally released in Asia, and then it came out in North America, published by Color Dreams, who uh, hmm. also published games as Wisdom Tree, which were Bible games. Speaking of games, Seth gave me Rent-A-Hero. Rent-A-Hero was released in 1992 in Japan and developed and published by Sega. Rent-A-Hero follows a young boy uh, who has recently moved to a new house with his parents. One night, after ordering some food from a company called Sensational Cafeteria, or Seca, our main character receives a suit of power armor that turns you into a hero because the Seca delivery man forgets to deliver the food and deliver some power armor. That's some mix-up. It is now your job, though, to fight crime around town. Uh, what is fun is you get to name your character and you get to name your superhero uh, name. So my character was named Sack and my superhero name was dude i wanted it to be dude man but dude man didn't fit and i was really sad anyway it's a pretty good game. It combines some of the exploration and dialogue options you might expect in an RPG, but it has the combat of a fighter. Uh, so when you go into combat sequences, it goes from a top-down perspective to a kind of face-on perspective like you'd see in a like Street Fighter or something, and you uh, fight your enemy that way, which uh, kind of changes up the gameplay a bit. One of your the first battles is hilarious. Uh, because you're at the party, it's like the housewarming that your parents are putting on, and your dad finds a Godzilla suit, and he's like, I'm gonna put this on and scare everyone downstairs, and then you put on the power armor suit, and you don't really realize 
what the power armor suit is yet. And your dad's like, you should fight me so we can put on a show for our family. And you punch him and he goes flying across the room. <laughs> well, I mean, he was like a evil Godzilla creature. He wasn't actually an evil Godzilla creature. He was wearing a costume. But yes, it is it is a fun game. It was not released in the United States, so I played a translated fan hack. Uh, it's worth checking out if you like RPGs and action games. You would have to probably play a fan hack version though if you are not very familiar with the japanese language now seth next week i want you to play pack in time for the super nintendo well thanks for listening today folks if you want to listen more you can find us wherever podcasts are available if you want to send us feedback if you like our retro rewind section or you miss the byway pass you can send us an email at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com if you want to just follow us to know when new episodes are released or when we finish working on stuff that we say we're going to be working on uh you can follow us on facebook instagram and twitch our facebook instagram and twitch are all at classic gaming brothers we also have a twitter which is cg brothers pod and i think that's it did i forget anything don't play games like my brother and don't play games like my brother i've been zach and i've been seth and we have been the classic gaming brothers that's right 